Live. We're live on the Backwards Infect show. What is this, number four or number five? Number five? Something like that. Huh? Something like that. Officially number four. So... I was listening to the first three and I was, I was surprisingly thought that uh, the level of, of what we were bringing was, was pretty on point. It's pretty cool. It's good to hear. Um, but as I was listening, I thought we could really do a piece on like the actual methods or mechanics of it. Um, kind of how it all works because uh, obviously in religions like you can see that if there was any methods or specific directions on on how to go inside that those wouldn't be broadcasted or even would be taken out of texts because uh, the whole goal would be dependency, not independency. So what me and you are doing essentially is not, not something that you would want followers at least to. I mean, a lot of the followers we have on Twitter are like-minded people. Um, so never, hopefully not ever have like robot type followers. You want people to come in and you want people to go out. It's the whole concept. Um, but yeah, we can get into it however you want to. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's one of my favorite things to listen to is um people discovering um their methods and reaching new inner depths and there seems to be definitely a lot of different ways to do it there seems to be a lot of um like i was just listening to this lady on twitter and she's got this whole she's opening up verbally um i think it's hug slut is her name and um it was beautiful like she's unraveling like threads she's understanding she's triggered she's unraveling that thread and when she unravels it by putting attention on it on the inside she's having like a breakthrough where she feels love and peace come through and she's doing it like one trigger at a time Which just makes me, I mean, even you and I, we're, we're kind of at that understanding that, you know, we both got there in two completely different ways. And then when you start listening to other people get there, it's like, wow, this might be like as individual as the person themselves, you know, to find, find the direction and find the, the catalyst to actually dissolve the ego. 
So I do think it's tough to talk about methods, but there's certainly like a lot of stuff that you can put into practice on a daily basis. That's going to be nothing but beneficial for you. And probably the number one thing there is probably uh, breath work. Would you agree? Yes. Yes. After the second, um, after the, the, well, I, I guess second, awakening or a revival for me. Um, I developed a new breath that day. It was, it's very odd. Um, the breath hitting the back of the, the nose, um, how it brings me to presence because I was not a big breath guy. Um, like 20, 25 years ago, I was more of hands, body cells, tingling, um, that way but now i'm probably 50 50 um because i maybe i didn't know how to do it years back but i i seem to get into like hyperventilation and it's really i mean it's it's something that i've acquired to where even if i get into a breathing repetition and i start to feel some type of hyperventilation i know exactly where to go to to break that. So now, uh, usually in tandem, um, and what I'm talking about now is maintenance. So for me, yeah, everyone's unique. You hit on it. You had a, you had a moment where there's things that happen to you that are irreversible and it's, it's so in your face that I don't know if the maintenance part applies to you as much as it does to another person or, but with me, you know, maintenance as far as keeping the presence, keeping in check what gets inside of you, keeping in check what's in your mind, keeping in check any anxieties in the chest area, um, anything that may creep in, possibly from a reaction that you had that you don't, you weren't completely present in, but you need to work it out. So, yeah, because that's what she said something specifically, like you mentioned the heart and the and the tightness. Yes, she has. The trigger. Um, being felt as emotion and she verbalized it as maybe wrapping around the heart. And that's what she's untangling, like un unwrapping that her heart from that one trigger. To it was it, yeah. it was beautiful. Totally relatable. I can't tell you that I could put uh, specific things that would come up that I knew I was dissolving, but I can relate to the chest area entanglement, uh, which people would see as like that heavy weight or that anxiety. But you know, when you close your eyes and you know focus on that area, and you go towards the anxiety. That was the best. That's all anyone ever needed to tell me was go towards the anxiety because once once I realized that, I'm not even sure what sequence it was or what needed to be worked out, but I knew as, as long as I was feeling pain and as long as I was present, you know, something was being annihilated in, you know, that was a weight around my chest. Um. 
And I'm sure stuff popped up in my head at that time that I saw that I was, you know, having to just, you know, let go or, or things come up all the time when you're asleep. I mean, you, you just, you realize you're like resenting people for years or, or, you know, something down to the littlest thing, like, you know, a kid at school you were angry at and you just never were able to let it go. Stuff like that. I mean, when you're, you're talking about meditating for the first time at 25 and you have, you know, a lot of anxiety. So things like that pop up, you know, you might have 30 or 40 people that you kind of just have that going around in the circle of your head that maybe you thought wrong them and you didn't know how to properly uh, understand what forgiveness meant, which is no judgment, no resentment. Just let it effortlessly fall off of you. Just under the concept that even if it's parents or friends that kind of the, and we're all under a generational curse. So once you, once we come to understand that everyone is under that same curse, then forgiveness and letting things fall off effortlessly kind of comes natural at that point because there's no, the blame game is no more. So the resentment kind of loses its power. Yeah, that's that's good because, yeah, even just starting, like your process is so much different than mine. It's unbelievable. Like the the idea of like pushing through something like that is very hard for me to understand that. And I think it's also very hard for under for you to understand. Like you just snapped your fingers one day and your ego fell off. It's like it's it's very hard to understand. But I do understand on a level that it it did something for me that day as well when it fell off on you. I mean, I, I, I had a, uh, I had a, a second type awakening that was not as extreme as yours because, you know, I'd had the experience of, you know, I, I, I broke through some stuff possibly when I wasn't ready, ready to, I mean, I, I was very like determined when I heard what was in someone, I was like, well, I want to bust through that. And there's things that I got from that, that I could never turn back from, but I can't say that I was like non-reactionary for the last 25 years before that second awakening, because there was times where I was back into a reactionary self, but I knew I had full awareness of it, but there's certain things that were irreversible for me. I knew I could never be like intimidated or, coerced into any type of organization or or anything like that i'd already seen exactly everything i needed to see and then when yours happened it was if there was any seeds of doubt that i had let grow in me over the last 20 25 years they were completely abolished at that during that day because i saw exactly what what eckhart tolle explains as as the flipping of a switch awakening and you know i've never had any reason not to believe eckhart tolle you trust you know the fruits of the people that you hear but when your own brother does it and the intellectual ego structures that you had to see that come crashing down with with no expectations or effort i mean it like i said i i had a different breath from that day 
and I had never even really breath was not very important to me. I focused on my hands more than anything, but now it's led me into breath and hands and, you know, I'm less on, I think I was telling Brian this in our conversation because, you know, he, he said his wife asked him when's the last time he meditated and Patty over the, over the 25 years, if I had become reactionary, she would ask, you know, certain questions like, you know, don't you think you need to meditate? And, and I didn't understand what the ego was doing. I guess this over time, he's, these concepts creep in that you, you didn't meditate, say, three times today for 20 minutes. So you may not be on the exact path that you don't need to be. Just stupid concepts like that would come into my mind that I wasn't being successful. Or I'd meditate and 50 thoughts would come in and I, and I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't understand why so many thoughts were. And it, when just standing back and observing what was going on, now the difference is it doesn't, I have no expectations for myself anymore. I just understand <laughs> yeah. the commitment to presence and I get in the truck, I'll put my attention on my hand. I'll go outside. I'll listen to a bird. I'm I'm forever doing maintenance, but there is no rules to that maintenance. And I was yeah. stuck on rules earlier, and that was an ego yeah. construct. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, in terms of methods and mechanics for somebody that's just starting so they don't create too many rules for themselves as they, if they're interested in trying to proceed through a more awakened self, it would be important for them to know, like watch your own judgment within your own system of development against yourself. Cause that's, that's the problem that, um, or that's the ego creeping in the back door and reasserting itself. Mm -hmm. But I think there are, I think there are like one thing, depending on how everybody's day is, if you could just consistently remember to take a deep breath like if you find yourself and you're um you know stressed about somebody at work or um you're stressed in traffic on the way to work i mean some kind of triggering thing where you know you're kind of caught up in a some type of emotional stress if you can just remember to take a deep breath slowly let it out and then of course more would be better three would be better but the more times you can remember that, like, hey, I'm just stressed and thinking right now. Let me take a breath. The more times you can incorporate that into your system and the more consistent you can get, is that on the right track for people? Because I feel like if I'm talking to my old self, that wouldn't wouldn't have necessarily meant that much. But that seems to be what most of the people that are uh, talking about mechanics and the mechanism of it like Eckhart Tolle it seems to be 
one of his number one uh, pieces of advice. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that it's. I think that it depends on the level of anxiety or depression or whatever you know the person may be in or the, the stresses or. I think there's a there's there's an original. So there's the t- so if there's three if there's three kind of awakenings if you have like the flip the switch awakening mm-hmm. you have like a gradual awakening and then you have what you did was like an aggressive awakening out of those three awakenings and and the did any of those have to do any of those have to do with methods like are the methods responsible for the type of awakening or is the type of awakening just specific to that person that's a good question um I mean, suffering comes to mind. It just that it 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 has to do with how how much the person is suffering, to the degree that they would want to go um, through with with an awakening. So, I mean, the level if you have someone who is you know. if I'm in traffic and I get in a traffic jam, there's no way that can make me angry anymore. Like it's not possible for like traffic to make me angry. I would say more than half the population gets angry inside their car. So I do think it's a starting point, but I, I feel like it depends on the level of suffering to whether or not someone wants it to be gradual, someone wants it to be quick, or someone, if someone were, it just depends on on the question of, of where that person's coming from. I mean, if their suffering is a level of a seven, eight, or nine, I don't know why when I was younger, I had a lot of anxiety. So I, I had something that I felt I had to break through. Um, but I, it is individual to the person where they're at and they're suffering because someone's suffering at the level of a two or three and they have basically a happy life. And they, they hear that, you know, just take a couple of breaths every day. I think they can experience a, some milliseconds of presence, but would they ever come to an awakening where you walk in Walmart and all your judgments were thrown in left field and you experience Walmart on a level that no one ever experienced before? I don't know the answer to that. Maybe they just have glimpses of like take a because even even when you're working like at your job, like you're you know, you're in a business meeting, you know, people say, Take a deep breath, relax. And that's effective to a degree. That's I mean that take a deep breath, relax, chill. It's effective. It's a glimpse of presence, but going deeper to an awakening just on little tidbits of you know, take a deep breath. If you see something more of a maintenance part, I think you have to, it's individual to the person. It has to do with where they are. Do they want to, um, see something more as far as truth? 
And do they want to have some, is their suffering, you know, grand enough to where they want to have some sort of awakening? Because there's a lot of people that, you know, presence represents, you know, peace. Presence represents um, love. And there's a lot of people that are pushed away by that and, I was pushed away by that. That's why it hurt so bad. So it's it's very difficult to do that unless the suffering is so bad that you know you you need to find an answer. So I'm not not completely sold on just maintenance techniques would just wake something someone up just by a simple deep breath or 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 a hand and I mean we don't have anyone sitting in front of us to where someone would be asking questions or we know where they're at for well that's what because i can kind of play uh devil's advocate in a way because part part of the method stuff like when i'm talking i'm imagining i'm talking to my old self and my old ego Mm -hmm. and i can kind of hear my old self call bullshit and like with the deep breath thing and that, but I'm trying to understand like how to explain to that guy, how to explain to Kane, like um, just little things, little things. And you want to alter your life trajectory, whatever trajectory you're on now, you want to alter that. Assuming you're asking the right questions and, and you are searching for an awakening. Mm-hmm. And then, so how do you alter that path that you're stuck in that rut that you're stuck in? And I think, the easiest thing for people is to take real small baby steps and just try to commit to taking a deep breath. And, but it might be something better as like, try to meditate for two minutes every hour, Hmm. or it might be try to meditate for 10 minutes twice a day. Like, I don't know what the calibration is, but you need to be like on the path of consistently reminding yourself that you're not your thoughts. That needs to be your goal. A consistent reminder. You need to understand your thinking. You need to understand you're engaged with your thinking and you need to have awareness of that, especially when that thinking is causing emotion. And the problem is like, if you're thinking and you're getting worked up in your own head about thinking and then you're, and there's emotion being caused and there's emotion now in your body and it's three o'clock in the afternoon and you haven't noticed like that's way too long. Like we, you need to be noticing like much earlier than that and then try to do it consistently every day. Yes. So what's that, what's that, um, mechanism for noticing? Like the only thing I can think of is it's, is the breath, like the breath if you take a couple of deep breaths, it's um, it's at least very easy to just observe the thoughts. If you're breathing through them, no matter what's going on, if it's an intense thought or if it's an emotional thought, um, if you can just commit to breathing and letting the thought happen, that's the first awareness step. And that's the step that needs to be consistent in your life now. Yeah, I agree. It's very hard to, while you were saying that, 
I was breathing in through my nose and it's very hard to have a thought come in when you're doing that. Is it? Uh, yeah, I think it, so too. It's very difficult. I just incorporate the hand with it too. Cause when my hand glows warm, I get a little tingle sensation. So I'm actually coupling the breath in with my hand. It's like a double, double presence for me just to connect two things, my nose and my hand at the same time. And no, it's no thought. I do believe someone who is very wrapped up in thought, though, needs some type of authority in the beginning, some type of breakdown, or there needs to be intense meditation first thing in the morning, check in at lunch, and again at night. It has to be not effort, but it has to be commitment if you want to get out yeah. of that thought has to be commitment but no effort if that makes sense you're going to make the effort to go sit down but it's commitment to go sit down to be effortless right it's a big difference and then all you want to do is remain quiet and it doesn't matter i mean as much as this thought wants to get turmoil you can let it do whatever it wants to do and the only thing that you're putting any effort in is stopping it at that one at that one step you just let the thought because that's where the authority comes from you have to step in and engage the thought that's step two now you're wrapped up but everybody can stop it at step one the thought comes in you watch the thought but and you observe the thought you're good that doesn't mean anything that's what happens to everybody but as soon as you take step two and you react to that thought, now you're now you're lost. Now you're basically singing yourself a lullaby. Now you're just a couple of moments away from complete unawareness. That's a great point. I, oh, yeah, go ahead. I don't know. I think for you and I, um, now when I slow my breath down, it has a miraculous um effect on my thought but i don't know if that's like a post awakening thing i don't know if that's advice for somebody else because it's definitely that way now but i have a feeling like if i was taking deep breaths before like you wouldn't have been able to stop my yeah, thought and it's definitely a post awakening absolutely 100 percent. i not i think i can relate more to someone's trying to do it voluntarily um in the beginning if you sit down you're spot on with the phases phase one see a thought come in first of all sitting in a chair not necessarily that comfortable but a chair that you could have your feet flat on the ground and maybe a couple armrests where your hands were you know right here you know to where you could obviously put your attention on your hands and then straight up just for the fact of not wanting to fall asleep in the beginning because someone who's asleep they start to meditate and escape can be like going to sleep uh in a thought process so i sit down not necessarily in the most comfortable spot if you were going to lay down and meditate you would do it in the morning when you're wide awake but if you went to meditate in the beginning and you know when you got home at three o'clock almost surely you would go to sleep it's almost foolproof because you're you would actually 
calm your mind down and it'd be one of the first times your mind is calmed down and you just literally go to sleep but anyway so yeah what you were saying spot on step one thought comes in observe the thought do it correctly thought has no power of you step two but that's where the authority comes from like correct your authority authority is after there's no authority before there's no pre and unless you're already awakened, like we're talking about, and you're going to take breath, but like we don't even have authority over the thought coming. No, like, there is no authority to gain there. No, because you are yeah. you are just at the whim of whatever the universe is going to throw at you. You have no control over that. The thoughts are going to come. Correct. What I would say, if we're going to talk on the level of demonic thoughts or really morbid thoughts, that those thoughts slow down dramatically when you become strong and better. So what I mean by that, obviously a weak, weak person, someone susceptible, it's obvious that they're messed with more. Um, yes. Just based on the fact of, you know, the angry lady by the pool, I mean, yeah. it can get in where it can get in at. So I would say that, even at Awaken, you have thoughts that come in um, and it gets trickier and trickier. And like I said, I had trickier thoughts saying, you know, I had to do this or that. So however tricky it has to get, it will get. But the really morbid ones, the crazy thoughts, those almost diminish because whatever it is that's trying to come in knows you're not going to fall for anything that blatant anymore so then the trickery of the thought gets even ever so like how do i trick the ego into going down this river now because he's awake so i have to get a little bit i can't just throw up this morbid thought he's not going to act on that so i think the trickery of an awake person gets astoundingly high um i've experienced that so but anyway back to the methods sitting down beginner not a very comfortable chair sitting straight up knowing that you could fall asleep step one thought comes in observe effortlessly you see that the power is all within you and it flees from you or dissolves step two thought comes in you begin to struggle with it or you begin to talk to it and you're manifesting something from that. So something's feeding off of that and you're feeding off of it as well. And then you, you know, when I was first meditating, I may not discover that for two, three, four minutes. So there's nothing wrong with that. You're strengthening your mind. Two, three minutes goes by and all of a sudden you understand or realize that you're in the thought stream. So then you pull back after you miss step one, pull back. And that's the same thing as step one. As soon as you do that, because you pull back from the thought with your awareness and now that's gone. And when you're beginning, that could happen 50 times during a 20 minute meditation. But the, yeah. but for doing it, more 
is because you're talking about a thought strain has built up 25, 30 years. So you're, you're dealing with things that are going around in a circle for a long time. And then you have thoughts that come in that, you know, you don't know how to deal with that are random as well. So you have the tape in your head of your whole life that you've had reactions and you have thoughts coming in as a receiver into your brain that you don't necessarily know how to respond to as well. So there's really two things at play, the trickery of the thoughts that come in and then the tape in your head of all the people that have wronged you in your life and you didn't know how to deal with this correctly or that correctly. So that all that unwinding has to take place and it's all effortless, but it's all about pulling back. And someone posted something on Twitter. One of the, it was, it was pretty profound said, even if, you know, you're not doing things, you have the tendency to think that you're doing things incorrectly as a beginner, when you go down a thought stream 10 times. But if you pulled back from that 10 times, no matter if it was two minutes, three minutes or four minutes, that's all you need to do. That's it. Because the next time it gets less and less, you're training your brain, you're renewing it from something effortlessly within just by shining a light on, on all that. So you just kind of just unravels. It keeps winding. You keep pulling back, you keep pulling back. And then while all this is going on, you do have the weight on your chest, but you realize that you've always lived with it. So it hasn't been uncomfortable, but it starts to get uncomfortable. Like it starts getting exposed. It starts being seen by something like it starts getting burned and you just sit there and you don't react to it. And it's a excruciating pain, but it's a happy, joyous pain at the same time, because, you know, if you just sit there, it's not going to kill you. It doesn't feel like someone's stabbing you. It feels like emotional or. Yeah, I guess emotional weight pain that just sits there until it can be cleaned out of you entity manifestation of all your wrong reactions over 20 years you know like we were talking before you're always manifesting so whether you're awake or not awake you don't understand how much power you have so you can be asleep because you're manifesting everything all in your body i mean you're manifesting creating doesn't matter (laughs) Yeah, so I'm going to play the part of uh, somebody who's just starting, who's not awake, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to start meditating. And I sit down and I start meditating, and there's a bad thought that comes in. So let's say the bad thought is, that guy's an asshole. That's the thought. It just came into my head. When I used to sit there and meditate, and I have the bad thought, that guy's an asshole, my voice, so I'm not talking to anybody right now except myself, my voice would immediately ch- chime in. Yeah, that's a, that thought is okay because that guy is an asshole. If that guy wasn't an asshole, I wouldn't have to have this thought. I'm perfectly okay with thinking this guy's an asshole because he clearly deserves it. He must know he deserves it. He just walks around and bees an asshole all day. That guy responding to the asshole, that's me. That's what I think is me. 
That's the thing that has convinced me that that's who I am. The one who chimes in automatically on every thought and has something smart to say about it. So that step one, the thought comes in. You have no authority there. There's nothing you can do about it. The bad thought comes in. Step two is the tricky one. That's when you start talking. That's when you start to build pride in some kind of process to understand that thought, no matter what that thought is. You're going to build this prideful intellectual construct to process that thought. So as soon as you hear your mouth open up in your head, you're already gone because the you, the real you doesn't say anything. It has no mouth. It just pulls back and it shuts the fuck up. And that's the part I never understood. Like, so now the trickery, I don't really have to think about it like I used to. Because it's like that joke about the politicians. Like, how do you know if a politician's lying? Well, because his mouth is moving. Right. How do you know if your ego is trying to fuck with you? Because you can hear it. Yes. It do- And it doesn't matter what it's saying. You can say, we said this in the beginning, you can say the most truthful statement there is. And I could say, like, I love my brother Luke, which is obviously a true statement. But if the ego says it, it's not a true statement because the ego doesn't even understand what love is. It can't even make a statement like that. Love to the ego is something completely different than what love is. So it doesn't matter what comes out of its mouth. It's all lies. It's all nothing. It's it's everything there is leading you away from presence instead of helping you stay grounded in presence. Yes. And, uh, it's a good point. You, but people, yeah, they don't understand that they like step two. Correct. Step step two is the one you like. Step you love step two. Everybody loves step two. That's a problem. The hardest thing and the most painful thing is to be aware and pull back from that because each time you do, a piece of your ego dies. Yeah. When you pull back, yeah. That's why I say you're not not successful. If you pull back 30 times during a meditation, your ego might say, well, why the fuck did you pull back 30 times? Right. Why the hell did you do? So that's the kind of things that can creep in with the ego to make you think you're on the wrong track. And it gets kind of tricky because the voice in your head that you're talking about, that you talk, there's a difference in how we're talking now. So you have to. You have to understand and discern. And the reason why we know it's not from ego is because what you say, it pierces me. What I say, it pierces you. If a listener's listening and they want to hear the correct fruits, it pierces them and they feel something or hear something that they uh, resonate on the level of, of love, but they don't know the meaning of love yet, but they're like, wow, why did I just feel like love? But I don't even know what the hell love is. So on that yeah. level, there is, there's speaking, but it's coming from an intuition internal source as opposed to, and it's not words, it's just a knowing and just speaking. It's not a word or, uh, from any type of, thought process, ego conversation back and forth. And 
And there is some inner workings because I can see stuff in my mind's eye that pops up that gives me the, give me the go ahead to go in this direction with what I'm talking about, but it's never Mm -hmm. the voice in the head um, at all. And the, and, and the key to seeing that is how the conversation is going. I mean, it's for the listener to discern, hear me by my fruits. So I, I'm right. glad you talked about that comparison because it, in the beginning, it can be really confusing. And over the years, mm-hmm. you, you know, even after waking up the first time, ego creeps in in very mysterious ways, very mysterious ways. And um, you can end up almost guilt tripping yourself that doesn't come from God or anything like that. It's completely an ego trip. Uh, That's why when I told you after your second awakening, like there's nothing that really, if there was any seeds of doubt or anything that was in me, there's nothing really that can take, take me down an ego trip from, I understand it to the, to the fullest degree. Not that I, didn't have confidence in what I was talking about before, but there was still some ego trickery that I didn't understand that I got this full and total understanding of how far it goes to, (laughs) it goes to the ends of the earth to try to build something in you. Yeah. And it uses everything, uses anything and everything uses everything against you yeah one of the most beautiful things you said uh early on was um it's nice to finally hear truth come out of your own mouth Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that that one hit me hard when you said it because it's like yeah um i am capable of like putting together like a truthful verbal exchange now and it feels so powerful and uh, authoritative coming out of your mouth. And it's the same way. Like if you ever are on the right track and you're listening into, you know, one of the spiritual books, I mean, when you hear the truth, you know, the truth. And there's that same, um, concept when you speak the truth, you know, it, it's, it's a very, um, yes. The same thing that, that I'm bouncing off of you is bouncing off of me within too. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting confirmation from you. I'm getting confirmation from me. I'm I'm getting confirmation from the flow of things. I'm getting confirmation from my own ears. Um, right. Could get better and better. People are on um, as well. Something I'm really looking forward to is going to add a whole nother dynamic to um, seeing the ego, seeing maybe even someone that's, uh, you know, awake or, or even talking to people that may be angry and don't know why they're angry. Um, it's, it's very interesting times to uh, stay committed to to this and, and see where it leads us. So to get back on track with methods, um, we said breath. Um, I think we kind of agree that, you know, there's probably a lot of ways to do that, but it's pretty much a commitment to breath work. Um, Second would be attention to the inner body. And I know you're a big fan of the hands. You've definitely turned me into a big fan of the hands. 
you want to try to explain what you're doing when you're putting your intention in your hands? Yeah. So my hand is my go-to thing. I think everyone, you, you know, call it a spiritual hand or it's your first, you know, kind of like your breath in tandem. My right hand is always, uh, what I would say is my spiritual hand. Uh, I can go to it right now when I'm, when I'm talking to you and tandem with my breath or really driving down the road too. Uh, you know, uh, I drive a lot. So the hand is very good for keeping me in the moment. So what the concept of why I would do that or anyone as we have to get away from the meditation and the, in and in the beginning, I know closing your eyes in one spot, that's good. But just in, I'm talking about even you're at work and you're having a conversation with your boss, you know, you can feel your attention go to your hand to make sure you're not going to be reactionary. It keeps you in that spot, no matter where you're at. I mean, at a, a baseball game and, you know, you're sitting on the bleachers and 30 parents are around you and they're all, they're all wrapped up in emotion or, or whatnot. And you can feel your hand glow warm, just keeps you, keeps you there. So it's always that meditative state. So when I, or anybody, it's just a small shift in your consciousness to become aware of your hand. And it's not thinking about your hand, become aware of your hand. I'm becoming aware of my hand right now, sitting on my thigh. I'm not labeling my hand. I'm aware that my hand exists sitting here on my thigh. I'm calling it a hand just for the sake of, so you can get a visual. But when you become aware of your hand, you start to feel the sensations. You start to feel the blood flow. You start to feel an answer back from the hand. So the hand is almost in a way grateful that someone's paying attention to it. So the hand is back and forth with me in a way of how the universe does with trees or birds or any, anything is basically with my consciousness and my awareness saying thank you to me for being aware that my cells are activated and there's a bit of aliveness in every cell in your body. So when you're thinking or being aware of the hand, the cells in the body, everything is alive. So they're, it's in a sense, they're rejoicing that they have some type of awareness with it. But everything in the universe works off of us. We are the awareness. We are the observer that makes the whole universe happen. So it activates some kind of communion as well with the universe in tandem. So you're affecting the universe, turning the cells on. You're in some kind of natural order now. So now the goal was to be present. The goal was to be aware, but on a whole nother level, as far as creation, creator, godlike manifester you're now 
essentially controlling your little universe just by activating the cells in your body. I know it seems like I'm going really extreme here, but the whole goal is to understand just how powerful you are. The first step is awakening. The first step is presence. But beyond that, we're even far greater than that. So beyond the hands, if I was laying down, I could incorporate my other hand and I could actually incorporate my feet and I don't have to do them all at the same time, but I could move my complete awareness to my toes and then just start to do a complete body awareness, activate the cells all the way through my calves to my knees, you know, up my thighs to my waist, all the way up through my chest. And that's one way you can see if there's any agitation too, because once you get to the chest area, you feel, you know, this anxiety is where something obviously is not lined up. And then on that body scan as well, sometimes you feel some pops here, some, some fidgets here. Um, Obviously, certain spots when you do a scan, there's some spots that are saying, thank you for your awareness today. It's very, very right. odd. Um, but yeah, as far as the hand, once the more and more you go to your hand, the more and more second nature. Like I was saying, like if you go, if you're used to your spiritual hand and all of a sudden you go in to an angry boss, for instance, your awareness without even any effort almost immediately goes to your hand because it's the signals like your hand starts glowing presence you know at least that's always been that way for me because i've used my hand so much and my breath would take play as well now more so than than it did in the past but i've actually been in situations where i've felt my hand start to glow warm. And I was like, wow, that went in the opposite direction. Now my hand glue warm to give me some kind of, you know, 10 second warning. Um, like presence, 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 like fixing to encounter an angry person or something. That that's because, um, you're truly being grateful and it sounds like your hand must've talked to a bird. <laughs> Because it gave them the reminding signal. <laughs> you know, it's, I like to, I had a hard time for the longest time, like understanding, putting awareness in, like I could do it and I could feel it. And, um, I think I just had way too much thought going on in trying to interpret what I was feeling before. And what helps me now is almost like I'm uh, holding a basketball. I put my two hands in together and I can bring in like some more like visualization type stuff. I just imagine I'm holding like a hot ball. So if you can visualize the hot ball of white light, then um, I can start to feel my hands start to respond. 
but instead of in my head, instead of saying like, put my awareness in my hands, it, it comes through better as try to feel with your hands, especially when you're, when you there's nothing to feel like you can put like all your 10 fingers together and you can start like that. I feel that and then pull away and then still try to feel. So you're trying to engage the feeling in your hand, even though there's nothing to feel. And that way of understanding it helped me to, because then it, I can feel almost automatically start to go up to my elbow. And then it's almost like the sensation of my hands are falling asleep, but there's no catalyst for that right now. Like I'm not in a position where my hands, like that's a circulation thing. So if you're, sitting down and you have something crimped, I mean, you know, that could be causing that in terms of blood flow. But if you just have your hands free and they're in front of you and they're starting to like feel that tingly, like go to, like, that's it. That tingly go to now try to feel that feeling, like touch it more. And it's interesting when I try to touch it this way and then try to touch it that way. And it seems like it creates um, like a double pull you can't get away with this out in the world, like walking around like an idiot with your two hands in front of your face. So it's good, but you can drop it at that point And then the attention stays in your hand. So there's, um, that was helpful for, for me, just the using the two hands at once to play off each other, trying to get that feeling, feeling this way and feeling that yeah. way. And that really, um, put your kind of taught me. Yeah taught me the process of putting my attention in my hands and I can definitely do it now without the whole thing. Um, I can put my attention in my hand, um, in a casual setting now, but it, that, that the attention inside or on a specific part of the body was definitely something I was not doing right before. And I don't know why that is or I guess maybe just through a awakening, it's just a different feeling or it's a, it's a feeling that you're not trying to um, justify or quantify or even really understand. I think that's the difference. Like before my ego was so um, overactive that starting any kind of process like that just brings up, oh, there's a little tingle there. What does that tingle mean? Maybe that tingle means, that, you know, and you're just registering everything as you do it. Mm -hmm. But now as I'm quiet, I can see that. But I'm saying before, it's almost as if that putting attention inside the body was just doing stuff to stir up really fun thoughts that my ego loved to mm, ponder. Right. You know, it was fun stuff. Mm. And it's like, as soon as you latch onto something fun, I mean, you're going to build structures of pride in there. And it was actually yeah. in some ways, I mean, I definitely understand it all now, but I'm just saying like, there's a trap there for somebody that's not awake. And is it as evo ego driven as I was? Cause it just, it stirs up too much fun questions because it does have an effect. So you, you've got to really, the two things got to merge. You have to understand. And the one piece of advice I, I would give to the old self that was caught in ego would be 
I never understood how silent I was. That's it. Like you are quiet and you are silent. So as soon as something is engaging, even if you think it's engaging something positive or engaging something fun, that's just pulling you out of the moment. And now you're no longer paying attention to it. That's such good perspective. Um, I mean, it's so spot on and so good. So good to hear that um, construct because I think that the more and more people hear that the construct and how it works is, is it's methods in itself. I mean, knowing, like I said, I mean, I had a few people, um, obviously we have each other now, but I mean, it's, it's, no one has the extreme handbook for ego dissemination and it's, it's taken years for certain people, you know, uh, but for you to have that perspective of, I think your perspective is so unique because when you go from, you know, five minutes time for a massive awakening, that, that contrast is so, no one can ever take that contrast away from you. Yeah. That's it's so it's, that's why it's so not reversible because the contrast of the black and white in in a in a matter of minutes is so undeniable that you always can have that to go to. You always have that yeah, perspective it's... to share with people how the ego works because you were you were in ego and then the ego was pounced on in a matter of two minutes yeah and that's it's unusual to have that type of perspective and the only person i know on planet earth that does is eckhart tolle that's the only other person that i know has that type of perspective on what suffering to cross over in that way is but you guys are completely unique to who you are as well i'm sure there's other people but I don't think very many. Like another example in terms of meditating. Um, and you hear this a lot and you don't even really have to go into like what it is. But you, when you're meditating, there's times where you'll have an experience. Mm -hmm. You'll So it's not every time you meditate. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just that process of trying to um, ignore the thoughts you know, could be frustration, but then there's these other weird times you would meditate and, you know, maybe you get out in nature or you got the like set and setting just right and you go, sit down, okay, I'm going to meditate. And then you would have like some kind of crazy experience mm -hmm. where, um, you know, something on the realm of psychedelic or something along those lines. Yes. And those, when I observe them, I think were actually pushing me further away from waking up because those experiences would just be like red meat for my ego to just sit there and, and they would be so fun trying to understand these experiences and trying to think through these experiences. And like, that was such an amazing experience. Look how good I am. I just meditated so good. I'm the motherfucking man, you know, and you would, it would just build the, all this pride up. And I realize now that 
a lot of those experiences were just experiences but the, the the way my ego was using them it was using them to pull me further and further away from where i was trying to go yeah no i can see that i i a wise man once said in med- meditation like n- the expectation should be nothing the expectation should be staying committed to observing the thought, letting it dissolve out of you, no will, no effort. Um, but a beginner or someone like you know, with a large ego, um, all it wants to do is escape that light. So it it would take the bait on almost anything. I mean, it just wants mm-hmm. to escape. Um, that's why most of the extraordinary things, if you're, you're meditating in the extraordinary realizations don't necessarily happen during meditation, but as you start renewing the mind, things start happening in your day-to-day life that you start saying, well, some, I'm not reacting as much. And that's when the, the, the revealing is what the meditation is kind of the grunt work of you know, renewing the mind to get to a certain point, but all the beauty really, it's not really during the meditation. It's kind of the ugly part because it's the, you know, it needs to die. It needs to dissolve. So it's not, it's not something that at least the way I did, it's not something you really look forward to do. And the only thing, the only effort you do is walking to the chair. It's the only effort. (laughs) That's the only right. advice I could give is the, is the effort and the commitment to walk to the chair to do what you need to do. And that's, that was one of the hardest things for me to be committed to. It was not yeah, there was, easy. There was a good, uh, interesting thread I was reading um, this week, but the question kind of was like, why would I want my ego to die? Like, why, Hmm. like, why do people keep saying like, you want your ego to die? Like, why do I want a piece of me to die? Like if I want a piece of me to die, that means I don't truly love myself. Correct. Hmm. Like how, why, why does this need to die? But there definitely seemed like, um, some people were asking like really good questions and then kind of getting stuck on that death part. And I don't know if that's just merely, like changing the word because like dissolve seems to work just as well dissolve Mm -hmm. the ego but i mean people i think say die like after the fact because they understand like to the degree that they uh went through ego ego death Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's totally understandable why you would use that word it does feel like um it does feel like a death when like your old system of automatically reacting to everything just doesn't show up anymore. I mean, and you are kind of like um, floating in the wind and it's, it's a very disorienting um, place to find yourself, especially after 45 years to just not have that system of, propelling you forward just gets shut off 
and it's like you're just completely on your own and you're you're getting no feedback from the system so like one of the just to give an example real early on and i think i've kind of constructed it back to where i i would be more socially upset acceptable at in certain circumstances but like i completely lost my sense of humor i mean gone completely lost it and it was because i would sit down and i would watch something with my wife like uh, we were watching bill maher and you know there's tons of comedy segments and we have a history of sitting down and watching the show together and laughing it's like one of our things that we do together that we love doing together mm -hmm. just catching up on the news in like a comedic way but i would sit down and i would have no reaction i'm almost to the point where i couldn't even follow the show but i'm just i know i'm supposed to be here because this is what we do on saturday mornings we sit down drink our coffee and watch the show but my old self is completely dead and that's a, such a good example of it because there's no reaction to any of the things that i would normally react to and the stuff that like you can kind of sense oh like i would have understood that as funny i would have laughed at that point right that's a joke that i would have laughed at mm -hmm. two days ago but now it like it needs to ask my permission to laugh and by the time I say, yes, you can go ahead and laugh, then I'm just fake laughing and completely <laughs> aware of it. Yeah. And so you've lost your authentic laughter. Yeah. And now so people are looking at you like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you can't even laugh at a show anymore. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> it's weird. I can't figure it out. But there, so like, point being, yes, there's a death. Like there's a piece of you and your old structure that's not there anymore. And I think that scares a lot of people. And I think rightfully so. That's a scary concept. But I think just, um, you know, you don't have to take my word for it. Um, there's tons of spiritual teachers out there. And uh, there's a collective message that I think is pretty clear. Like the, th the stuff that you lose, the, the death that you go through, is completely outweighed by the stuff that you gain. Yeah. So it's completely okay. You don't know that when you're going into it, but it's right. completely okay. Whatever you lose, it doesn't matter because you're going to gain way more than you lose. And that's, I think it's important just to say that, but like, again, I mean, that's a pretty consistent message from most of the healing uh, teachers who, or spiritual teachers that are I think it's, uh, speaking from, speaking from the point of ego death. Yeah, I think it's a perfect message, especially for beginners, because that's something that they need to hear. Uh, and a lot of what you don't know that you're going to get, you don't know. So to hear right. that for someone who's awake is a bit comforting on that journey because you don't know exactly what's coming and what kind of changes that are going to be for the good that are, you're, you're going to see as, well, this, this is 10 times better because you, and you know, family members too. I mean, you don't, you don't know what you don't know yet. So it, it, it's a good message for, 
people wanting to um, explore finding their true self, getting through that pain and getting um, getting to the other side, so to speak. But while you were talking, have you ever had a, a time where something happens and you almost feel yourself react, but you yeah. don't react? It's almost like you're this objective person. You almost, you like see yourself react, but you didn't even react. Have you had that happen before? Like it's happened to me in like the last couple of days, like something happened. It was like, like you said, you're supposed to laugh, but you were supposed to react. But I almost like felt the reaction, but I was completely calm. Like I saw a reaction almost play out. Almost, I don't know if in my mind's eye or what. It's very odd. Have you ever had that happen? That, yeah, my, my number one for that is um, when I get startled. So I, I interpret fear very, very different now than I used to. But you can't stop like that universal chaos where you're in a situation and you actually get startled, like something like come up behind you or like fight versus you know, something that, fight versus flight, something that has to be. Yeah. Something up. sudden, you know, somebody slam a door behind you or something that you're not ready for, like just a loud bang. And so you, there's that initial, like deep down old code reaction that like immediately kicks in. And you can just watch the whole thing happen. Like you haven't actually reacted to it, but the body just took a wave. Yes. And you can watch the wave go through. You feel the wave. Yeah. Yeah. But it did. You never got on the wave, but you're like, wow, I just felt the wave come through. That must have been a time where I would have erupted or something. (laughs) Right. Right. And that's, and and going back to the laughter, just and the sense of humor, just so, um, that one last piece on that you do when it's all said, you can reconstruct a sense of humor. Like you can do it now, like with full awareness and you can slowly give yourself permission to like, go ahead and sit down in a comfortable place in a comfortable setting and react to this naturally. Like you can set up new systems that are better than the old systems. So when I talk about stuff being dead or stuff being different, it doesn't mean you can't do work and construct things that are going to be more um, beneficial to you in, in, in social scenarios. I mean, cause we all have to go out and we're mingling amongst, you know, normal people not talking about being awake all the time. And, you know, there is an expectation that you have a sense of humor. So I don't want people to think that, once it's gone, you're just out of luck at that point. You consciously construct stuff back and you earn trust with people and you can, you can definitely develop um, your sense of humor back slowly. <laughs> no, that's a good message too, because I didn't have that. Um, you know, people around me, um, you know, our close family, um, there was definitely personality changes, but I, I yes. didn't have, I didn't have that either, that message afterwards of, of what do you do now? And I think there's, there is things to do, things to manage, things to construct that, um, 
are there and available to you to where you're just not, you know, sitting there, not, not experiencing anything. It's, it's a new, um, but I totally get what you're saying. And I think beginners would get what you're saying as well, because you, you should be able to construct things to where you can, you know, enjoy, you know, a certain comedy routine or whatever, without being so objective to where you don't hear or see anything or enjoying anything. I see things. Um, on that level now as to now too, I just have a different, a different ability, I guess, with all the support around after this last time of how to manage where you're at, how to relate to other people. Um, it means a lot. It means a lot for beginners. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that, that needs to be heard for sure. Cause you, there is no handbook after the awakening other than the people that you can lean on, lean on to as far as, um, spiritual teachers and, and us, but it goes really hand in hand with what you said with the wave. Yeah. It's very similar to that. Yeah. It's, it's just, you can kind of get in a mode and you can nod along and it doesn't, you're not affecting your presence. I mean, if you ever needed it, you can just step back. It doesn't ever go away. I mean, you could, you can pop out of, pop out of that process of enjoying yourself and um, go into full presence. So I know that definitely tripped me up a little bit um, in the beginning. Well, I mean, but, I, I've uh, watched a movie, you know, fully present, maybe being aware with my hand. I mean, it's something you still can enjoy as well, even being objective, still watching the movie. Yeah. And if you're by yourself, that might be something that, um, yeah. And so it would just depend, like watching a movie or you're sitting down with your kids trying to watch a cartoon, you know what I mean? Where you might want to watch that a little bit more yeah. uh, reactionary just for their benefit, you know, so you let some more reactions go um, and you try to understand that, you know, your authenticity and the personality and stuff and how important that is for the people around you. But all that stuff is at that point, that's all fun work. I mean, at that point, that's all rewarding work. It's all fun work. It's all constructs that you're aware of, no matter how you're doing it. And again, it's, it's all just a matter of you're going to lose a lot, but it's not even close to what you're going to gain. Was there more to methods in terms of, I mean, so there's breath and then there's the attention on the inner body and that's really like a huge part of it. Those two things. Yes. Um, other than that, uh, we're, we're talking about going in, um, presence outside nature, um, birds obviously i mean i have birds that send me in the presence when i first wake up in the morning <laughs> it oh yeah happens every morning i mean birds birds have a unique way of i mean if i 
if you, you weren't aware of your breath or your hand, you just go out the front door and listen to birds. They have a unique way of putting you in the present moment. So, I mean, if, if you had to rate, you know, my breath, my hands, I think birds would come third. I mean, because they just have this unique way of, um, boy, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. They just have yeah. a unique way of, I, I don't know. I think it's like the, the sounds of, you know, how a bird makes a sound. It just is, is like a sharp piercing the way they sing. It just, it just, you can do nothing but listen to a bird with awareness for some reason. It grabs your attention. It grabs I mean, your attention when it does. You, you almost have to be present. Yeah, it's just like when somebody whistles for your attention. Like yeah, you can't really do anything yeah about it's the it. whistler of the universe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like the whistle of, you know, it's the call. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's the, it, it is. And yeah, now I can't unsee it like that. I mean, it, I'm just stuck there eternally grateful for the birds because they continuously whistle me back to presence. They just, they're constantly just asking for your attention. Yeah. The gatekeepers of, and birds do some extreme things too with the flying and flocks and synchronicity. And, um, I mean, I've been driving down the interstate and certain times of the year, the birds will fly in patterns, but they'll do it where you're like a pack here and you can see a pack a hundred yards and then 200 yards, another pack. And they're all doing different design flow patterns. It's like they want you to watch them visually as well. And I can't take my eyes off them when they're doing that because it's so damn beautiful. Like how do they, they're almost like forming geometry in the air. Like they're doing origami and shit. Like, what is that? And then they're, it's, it's certain times of the year. I don't know if it's the fall or the spring, but they're really active in that on my pathway to work. And it's not, you know, but maybe a couple weeks out of the year that that activity is really great to where they do that. And they, when they do start doing that, they're, they're multiple and they're, you know, you drive a mile and another one's happening and they're so neat to watch. It's almost like they want you to visually, they want the visual attention. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, um, yeah, that's accomplished by two very simple rules for them. It's amazing. I mean, it's stay close to the bird next to you and keep on flying. I mean, and those two rules seem to create like that type of synchronicity. It's amazing. But as a whole, they have some type of direction. Like they all know when you're forming geometry in the air, they all know that they're going to have to take a sharp left turn and they all do it together. All the other ones know they have to take a 60 degree turn and the other ones know that they have to take a 70 degree turn just to make the geometry work. The mathematics in it is so calculated and every bird not necessarily knows what the exact one on the left side is doing because it's not a perfect thing they're forming, but it's a flow of geometry in the air. Yeah. Yeah. So some could be turning at lesser of angles. And how do they know to do that? Because they're all connected. 
it's all connected to do yeah they're obviously feeling that connection on a on a on another level on another level like it's it's some kind of oneness level then well you see it's a demonstration of oneness for us to see yes yeah yeah everything can be used like we talked about from flowers to birds to animals to trees in how everything works um see i have wonderful perspective on that too because i'm totally there with you with the birds i'm totally um the way i describe i mean they they teach me gratitude because they whistle me to attention and then it just makes me smile it, it gives me an inner smile that and you're just truly grateful that there's this thing that isn't you but in some way is connected to you and that's not like a spiritual thing you need to understand i mean you can hear the whistle it's connected to you through your ears like there's a physical connection there and Mm -hmm. as soon as that hits my ears you turn and now you're in attention and you know it's the bird that did it to you and so that creates a, a system of gratitude gratitude to what gratitude to to the bird but then the birds connected back to the bigger consciousness and the bigger consciousness is connected back to me. Mm. So it ends up being a circle of gratitude that you can start to feel. And if you're doing that every time you hear a bird, then I mean, you're just creating a lot more gratitude in your life. But it's so crazy, dude, because before If the alarm is set at like 6.30, the birds would start chiming in sometimes at like 5.30, 5.45. So before I woke up, I would spend many, many mornings, the first hour of my day, cursing out the birds. God damn, bird. I can't sleep for another half hour. Like you guys couldn't wait for the alarm. God, just complete disgust and disdain for the fact that the birds woke me up and robbed me of that last hour of sleep complete agitation and it's so funny now because for me now most of the time the birds will wake me up before the alarm clock so that first moment and right now i don't know how everybody is but for me like the normal right now seems to be just complete dark dreamless sleep like there's just nothing like i go to sleep at night and i am just gone and i don't really remember much at all in terms of like dreams and stuff now it feels like i'm just gone for the night but i get the in the morning i get my first waking moments with the birds and it's that whistle and it whistles me to attention out of deep sleep this is every morning now so instead of agitation my first moment with presence every day is just a warmth smile of gratitude like oh there you guys are i'm not dead i'm still here um it's another day apparently it's going to be magical because you guys are here with me you know and you start it's a completely different way of waking but now you get out of the bed and like you're ready for miracles. You're ready for magic. Whereas before you're getting out of bed and it's like you started your day in agitation. No wonder you're downstairs yelling at the kids 15 minutes later. 
it's ridiculous definition of being asleep and very relatable to the walmart story yeah because <laughs> yeah <laughs> the judgment of the birds or judgment walking into a store it's it's pretty much all the same thing um you're in that constant um constant state of judgment all the time um yeah now i don't even have judgment on like what time of day it is like before like even part of the judgment was you woke me up 15 minutes early damn it you know (laughs) and now like there's not even judgment on time like the sun's obviously it's obviously time for the morning to start how do you know that? Because the birds are in line with everything out there. So if their timing doesn't exactly line up with yours, you don't have to be an asshole about it. <laughs> I think that's relatable to a lot of people too. And and uh, I mean, your awakening seems to becoming more more clear to me as well on how how the rug was pulled out from under you um (laughs) yeah that's a good way to say it i because i I know there was day i mean i i understand where you're at in certain points but i don't know if i was ever to the degree of in the constant judgment that you were in even before i was so I understand the rug pull now because yeah. it was almost like a rug pull had to happen because there was this, uh, this structure entity that you had created that had to like fold at some point it had to fold because it was, it was, it was something you're feeding all the time. It was, it was entity like it was yeah. something that has, so your example is unique to Every person's different, but in whoever we talk to, some people may need the rug pulled out from under them. Yeah. Some people may, may need that. And and the advice that we're giving as far as meditation to the person that maybe is, you know, in that struggle day to day, like they actually, I guess here's the thing. I think what I'm trying to say and what I'm seeing right now is that I possibly had that judgment, but I was aware of it. Even when I was quote unquote asleep, I had a, a struggle. Like I was trying to get somewhere with you. It seems as though there was something that you had created. Like this is Kane Sarger. This is the whole deal. This is who I am. There was no, nothing inside of you that was say, I had an awareness to say that you you see what I'm saying? Yeah. For me, I'm, yeah, that, I'm trying to see the difference here. I feel like when I was asleep, I felt something and I knew I wanted to be somewhere else. So there was already like this 50-50 game to where I felt like there was something more that I could get to. And with you, there was almost like complete acceptance of what you had created and living in that judgment mm-hmm. and living in that. Um, and all the while too i mean all the talks we had a full disclosure i never i didn't think that you were just massively a sleep person or like a bad person i thought 
relatively you were on the right track. So when we're talking about asleep or not, not asleep or awake, it's, it's, it's huge, but it's also subtle as well. So it's not like, yes, it's, 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 and I, I think, yeah, it's like something that's been right there next to you the whole time. And I think I might've like felt more, more of a pull when I was younger in terms of like trying to figure out more, but then like at a certain point, just with form and responsibilities as stuff starts to add up, you reach a point where you might as well just start taking pride in your construct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you might as well just start trying to be that person that you need to be, you know, as a father, as a worker, as a husband, and and you manhandle your way through that process, mm-hmm. you know. Um like so you wake up annoyed because of the birds and you you put your feet together and it's like okay and i would you know getting out of bed i might say something like okay kane um you're getting up annoyed we need to like pull ourselves together here we need to go downstairs i mean because the kids they're gonna if you have like two kids in your house i mean they're waking up if you have you know school age kids mine are you know teenage years i mean there's a lot to get up to and engage with right away i mean the magic is going to start I mean, minute one, once you engage this day. And so what I would do is I would feel that agitation and I would wrestle it like back to um, something I could manage. And then I would make sure that I'm good with my kids and I would make sure that I'm good with my wife and I make sure you get everybody out the door and you tell everybody you love them and like you get them out there and it's like, man, I did it, you know. And you feel good about it because you woke up agitated and you wrestled it to something that you could deal with. But it was a, it was a, it was all process and thought and work. And now I just can't believe how much silly process I used to have built into my life because all I had to do is just shut up. All I had to do is just be silent all I had to do is just, I, I, it's like I live five minutes from work. And so, you know, you get up and you drive to work and it takes me five minutes. It's like my life used to be, I live five minutes to work, but I would drive around for six hours to get there just for the fun of it. And then when I get there, I'd be like, God damn, I got a lot of, I got a lot, I worked through a lot of stuff in those, in that time. And I just have nothing but pride in what I created. And it would just, it would make me feel good. Like I created this great thing. I'm so good. I'm so smart. I put in all this mantra work. But there was so much over effort going into it. And now when I look at it and I think back, I mean, it exhausts me just to even try to imagine who I used to be. Because there's just, there's just nothing but over effort going into everything. Like you're creating problems and then you're fixing them and then you're feeling good about the facts that you fix them. When in reality, why don't you just not create the problem in the first place? Because then there's just less work to do. And there's way more peace and quiet in your life. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, everything you said, I think, is so relatable. Um, 
I mean, it's unique to have two people. Um, like I said, I haven't seen it. Um, but to get the perspective of how how it's happened for you and, and how it's happened for me, I think it's it's relate, relatable on two different levels. Um, one, yeah, I totally agree. One of, the, one of the unique things was I feel like you're one thing to watch for too. I feel like your level of anger, it got to some degree that was almost – uncontrollable not not to where you were banging pots and pans around on the house i'm saying a cue to look for as far as you know rug pulls you it because i remember talking to you it it had gotten the level i guess in your head that it was almost out of control or i don't know if it's something you can touch on how it took on higher level to where it was so noticeable that 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 weekend that you had a lot more suffering than than normal it was more than like walking by some guy in the walmart saying you know you fucking pedophile you know what i mean so it, it, the, the anger yeah. had taken on a certain something different to where the rug pull was able to take place because it got to a certain level Yes. Yeah, because like I engaged you that day specifically, like asking for help. Like, how am I so angry? Like, what's going on there? Like, I was at that point, which was definitely uh, somewhat new. And I think the level is recognized through um, it's mostly repetition. So, you know, if you have like a day, and you can logically look at it and say, okay, there's like 99% of this day was good and I should be grateful for it. But I get stuck on this 1% of the day that was making me angry. And then I would get so frustrated. Like, how is that 1% controlling me emotionally when I know when I look at it? That it's so it's such a smaller degree. Like there's 99% of the day just re- would require happiness. I was just doing happy things. And then that 1%, like I would, and then that 1% would create repetition that would last through, through like a whole next day. And then, so, so that repetition just got annoying and not to the point where I didn't even feel like it was fueling um it almost I there's no other way for me to relate to it other than anger but it almost like it slipped and it almost like wasn't even anger anymore it was just annoyance in the fact that my structure that I have all this pride in couldn't handle this problem and like I can I can choose to look at the 99% right I can choose to focus on that. I'm strong enough to focus on the 99%, but then it would keep happening. I keep, keep reoccurring over and over and over again. And so the anger was like the only way I knew how to talk about it because that was the underlying problem. But my real problem was it was attacking my pride. It was attacking the structure I built and 
I couldn't control it. Not that I was it, it, like it was making me, me more angry. I just knew I had that calibration off and I should be able to manhandle that calibration back where I want it. And for some reason, it got to a point where the repetitive nature of it got to a degree where I couldn't bring it back into calibration. And that frustration with myself, I think, ended up being the part that broke. Because when you said entity, like I immediately went to investigate, like out of all the stuff going on in my head, like where is the entity? And I don't know why in that moment, but in that moment it hit me that the whole thing is entity. It's all entity. It's just systems playing on systems, playing on systems. And none of them are serving me. And that concept, for whatever reason, I don't, I, I truly understanding that concept. And that's the key. Like, I don't know how to tell that to somebody or how somebody is supposed to do that. But I truly understood that everything that was going on inside my head was entity. And just realizing that fundamentally on the inside, like ceased all the thought in my head. Like there, it was nothing I, I couldn't think. There was no thought that would come. I had, and it's immediately replaced with something special. Like, so that, that thought, if you can get to the point where thought ceases and you're not doing it, like I'm not meditating, I'm not manhandling, I'm not like trying not to think, it just stopped. Like, you know how women, you know, go through menopause, like they only have a certain amount of eggs. And then that's the last egg. They don't have any more. There's no more going to be produced. It was almost as if I had a certain amount of thoughts that I was given at birth. And in that moment, like the last that time was up. That was the last thought. No more coming. And then there was no system to put any more thought in or have any more thought come out. And that immediately started the process of identifying new identifying with something that I've, I don't remember identifying with before. But as soon as you do, you're like, oh, this does seem familiar. And then that sensation gets bigger and bigger. And then you start to realize, oh, I'm really identifying with something much bigger here now. Like just from the process of losing myself, you're identifying with something bigger and that's where the words like god come in and really i think a lot of people experience like synchronicity there's like a synchronicity storm that can happen where it just snowballs and it's like you can't even begin to comprehend all the meaning that you're receiving like it's not in your head anymore your head is like the most insignificant tool to try to understand all this meaning that you're receiving. And then you're just, you know, in that realization of, you know, everything you want and everything you've ever desired, you have right now. And
Yeah, I think that's kind of the question we're asking. It's like just trying to analyze that rug pull and then try to learn ways to help people untangle that mess. And I think it's a big project because I think it's going to be different for everybody. But obviously we can use our experiences and especially with as different as they are in Tacker from two angles. Yeah. I mean, it would be, I think we'll be able to tell, you know, just based on the person where they're at, um, to be able to t- tackle it from, from what angle. Yeah, I definitely, I see your side completely. I think it's um, those types when I was on the phone with you. I mean, I could feel your chest releasing when you said that, and I knew what was happening. But, yeah. but I knew uh, for you it was happening all at one moment. I mean, I could hear it in your voice. And I remember yeah. when I was meditating, it's something I was like pushing through for two weeks. I knew you were doing that like in an instant because I was hearing it. It was like I was in awe of the fact that uh, there was some type of rug pull that was allowing this to happen in a matter of seconds because it was yeah. not long at all. I mean, it was a complete breakdown and it was you one breath. weight on your chest coming off too. Yeah, it was one breath was one way and the next breath was different because that's one of the first sensations I have. So the thought just ceases. And the first sensation is it's the next breath. And that breath goes in and it's relief. I mean, just huge relief. It's almost as if like I haven't been breathing this whole time. Like that, it just goes in and it's just such relief. And I remember almost trying to ask myself, like, was I really that mad? Like, am I this relieved? And like, just, and whatever voice was there, it was like coming from like across a football field. Like it just wasn't even near me anymore. And I remember like saying, am I just this relieved because I don't have thought. And those are like my two last things I can remember of, but like being anything close to thought, like two last questions. Was I really that angry? And am I feeling this much relief from not thinking? And, but even those two, they just push real far away. And then I'm so stuck on the relief I'm feeling in my chest. So all of my attention is being pulled into my chest and I can't do anything about it. I can't pull it away. There's nothing I can, I'm completely stuck with me the attention in on my chest. And every time I take a breath, it's like a miracle's happening. And it's, it's just all feeling all inner body feeling. It just Relief is just like all the words we talk about, these words, I mean, when I say them, they just feel so insignificant, but there's like a, uh, there's like a relief 
related to love. And I can only imagine if I like think to a movie like where there's like, and it's a lot, I think with father and son, there's like uh, an emotional conflict going on and, you know, they're going to make up and you know, there's a hug about to happen. So it's the father and son, they're about to come together and they're about to hug. But if you watch the son and I'm a dad and I've also been a son, so I know this from both angles but if you watch the sun like the dad will open for the hug and the sun will like come slowly like slowly slowly it's like the sun's apprehensive like doesn't know for sure like the love is going to be mirrored and accepted like i don't know what slows the sun down but if you watch him he goes slow 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 right to the end and he goes quick that last, like that last foot, he goes super fast. He smashes it, but it's like that, that apprehensive, 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 and then full acceptance. Like you try to, like you breathe out and it's like, that's when you like can start to like, wow, like that was a miracle. And then it's like, is my next breath going to be like that? And then you breathe in, it's like, <gasps> And then you you breathe out and you're like, oh my God, is my next breath going to be like that? <gasps> and you're just kind of stuck in that perpetual motion. And it's all it is, is your full attention is deep inside and it's overriding your ability to put t- attention anywhere else. So I definitely think because you had that experience, you'll be able to see where a rug pull needs to p- take place. Um, because I can, I can see the intellectual construct to a degree, but I don't think I know, or I don't think I can fully understand it. So, but, but you can, and I, I know you can't fully understand the methods of, Hey, I can see, I need the awakening. How do I use these processes to push the envelope? to get there. But I think you're going to almost instantaneously be able to see that different kind of ego construct and understand the only way it's going to happen is a rug pull. And I, yeah, for certain people, it may be that way. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. That's, I can't say that you would have taken an intellectual thought or something and said, okay, I need to put this into action and I need to start my day after waking up to the bird, starting it with that. How do you go from there in that negativity to making yourself get quiet for 20 minutes to try to almost force that type of awakening other than a rug pull? Right. You know what I mean? Other than, and I, I back then might've woken up in that same state. I'm not sure, but I mean, it's two different things. So, I mean, you're going to see, I think you're going to be able to see a rug pull clearly when I cannot. Yeah. Because you're going to see that ego intellect working so hardcore and you're going to relate to it. And you're like, 
this person is not going to do anything voluntarily. The rug needs to be pulled. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. But that's also, I mean, just like we were talking before with ego death and some people, um, you know, it's death. I mean, that word brings fear. And so I, I don't mean to say as if, you know, their anxiety is, is not natural there. Cause I, I think it certainly is, but that's on the level of the person doing it to themselves on the level of like you pulling the rug out of somebody <laughs> like, so people are not going to be receptive to like death at the hands of somebody else. Like, I just, I don't even know. Like the only reason I think it happens with you is because like, because I did, I mean, the whole thing was I reacted to you. I reacted to your voice. It was your clue. Like at that moment in that time that, pulled the pen, pulled the rug. But even before waking up, like that's, there's just so much trust with you that I know you're not, I know you're not killing me. You know, if if you're, I know you don't mean me any harm, but I don't know how you, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's something specific and you need like a, a real amount of trust or is it something that anybody could have said to me at that time and I would have heard it the same way. Like that's a really interesting question. Could we have the authority to stop that thought process? And that's really what you're saying that thoughts were, that it was just stopped, like something stopped yes. with some type of authority. Could we have authority to stop that? to allow that one breath in for there to be a massive rug pull. And that point yeah, is that's the- trust. I mean, so there's a couple of people that spiritual teachers that I trusted just when I heard, I mean, I, I knew where they were coming from. Dude. So I didn't have any, I knew certain, I mean, a couple of people that I would listen to back then, I knew that they had the best of intentions just because I could hear love, even though I wasn't awake. So is that something that you would recognize? But even if you didn't recognize, if you had the hint of the right question, which you did that day, why am I so angry? I mean, that's, that's a pretty good question to, to yeah. lead with to a rug pull is I think people understand authority and where it comes from. You know what I mean? And I know we're brothers and we have that connection and there's a, even another layer of trust there that, but I think even when you're asleep, people know authority and people know where, what place you're coming from, even if the ego doesn't want to admit it right away. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's a couple of people that I learned from. I trust and love them, and I'd never met them before. I just know what what's coming through them, and you, I mean, it's, it's automatic. I understand that they're not trying to pull the wool over my eyes at that point. Yeah, I could be... Um... 
I could be confused because Eckhart Tolle actually speaks a lot about that where he he just says, you know, read the book. Um, if it opens something in you, so be it. If not, so be it. And, and he doesn't seem to put too much effort into, you know, aggression in terms of, you know, waking people up. But really, if you think about it, uh, I don't really think we are either. Because if you if the starting point is the only people we're going to be dealing with are the people who are actually, you know, taking the first step to seeking. So we're not just like pulling somebody random that's, you know, an asshole to themselves seven days a week and then, you know, trying to pull the rug out from under them. So, yeah. With the people we're engaging, being open to to the uh, a lot of the concepts to start with. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I. I don't have. Um, I guess I get it was probably just like the mixture of who I was and who I am. Like, I feel like I can't really fully understand like what it was about that moment that made it happen. And it's like, if I can't understand it, then how are you supposed to help somebody else understand it? But I don't know that it's something that's supposed to be understood that way. Like it could easily just be something to just accept and like just repeating the story and just having conversations with people at at some point bearing fruit later, you know, and, you know, under, you know, me with, <laughs> with my ego and my strategy that you like to, if you're going to sit down with somebody, you want to know like what you're going to give them and how you're going to, um, how you're going to lay it all out to them. And I don't know that's necessarily the way this is going to happen. I think this is going to be just way more focused on the presence, focused the attention on whoever we're talking to. And then, like you said, just try to, I mean, I don't, if I see an ego structure, I, I feel like you just kind of call it out and see where that goes. I mean, I think if you say beforehand, if we're sitting down with somebody, like our 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 project is not like in terms of good and evil. So something that you're doing one way versus something that you're doing another way, it's not like right and wrong. It's it's just understanding that there's moving towards presence and there's moving away from presence. So if you're being critiqued and we've kind of gone over this beforehand. So like pride's a good example. Like people have like an idea of pride. Like they consider it a bad thing. Like it's it's a, it's a trait that we consider a negative human trait. So if we say somebody's very prideful, we're talking negatively about that person. If we say that somebody is full of themselves, we're talking negatively about that person. So none of us 
really want to come to the realization that the pride is in us. But it's got to be called out. It's got to be pointed to. And all and I just want to point to it so you see it. Like we don't we don't even have to argue whether it is or not. Like how do I know it's pride? Well, I know it's pride because you just had like a whole construct behind it. That's how I know it's pride. Like you wouldn't develop it to that degree unless you were proud of it. But we just need to, I think, gently um, and conversationally let people know that this isn't a system of like right and wrong. I am not pointing to your pride and saying like you're a person who's full of themselves. Like when, if I'm pointing to your pride, I'm just saying you're a person just like every other person. And that pride is something that's actually in the form. And it's tricking you. There was nothing you could do to get out of it. You were born, therefore you have pride. It's just when it gets out of hand and it doesn't matter what it means to anybody else. Your pride, it doesn't matter what it means to other people. It doesn't matter how other people are judging it. The pride is tricking you. And, and so you have to be aware of your own pride. And you don't have to look at it like it's a negative. It's just something in the system that is there specifically to help you feel good about yourself. But that's the whole problem is some people get lost in that feeling good about themselves and then they just forget to pick their head up and look around. Stop and smell the flowers. Be quiet. Yeah, that's a good message. I feel like you see I feel I feel like your specialty is knowing and seeing the ego behind any curtain. And, but yeah, I think you'll be able to pick up on it, but everything you're talking about now is knowing, you know, how, how sensitive the ego can be too, and how it can, you don't want the defensive reaction because the defensive reaction is just more entanglement with the ego. Yeah, that's see that part's interesting. Because I might I might disagree there. Um and and I I don't know. This is in this is in the realm of definitely I don't know. So I'm just speculating, but you're right that the ego will have defensiveness. And if we're in a situation where we think um you know, it's going to be more of a rug pull that calling out the ego. And then the defensive reaction would mean I did. So that's just like, um, step two is out in the open for all three of us to see now. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, Now, once I see step two, now my job is to be quiet. And then there, there could be a spot now 
like there could be like a, a mechanic to our actual conversation, the way it goes with three people. If I can get a defensive reaction and I did it by pointing to the ego, like not doing anything else. I just said, Oh, I saw it. That was the ego. And now if there's a defensive reaction, that could be the time for me to be quiet because they're not going to want to engage me at that point. I'm the one pointing out their ego. But there's another one there to engage them on a more loving frequency. And that could be the beauty of it. Because you definitely have that patient listening and can kind of chime in with love whenever you want to. And so it's, you're obviously going to be aware that there is a defensive reaction. I'll be aware that there's a defensive reaction. So now like, how do we help them through that step two process? But you could, you could take a completely different angle. That's not pointing at their ego. And it's something more of love. I mean, I can't think of an example right now, but I know you throw that stuff out all the time. Just like one of those pure love bombs and you know you could because there's definitely harsh love bombs and i mean i don't think we want to go double harsh i think we'd want to like give them um like some like a love retreat to go to and then kind of smooth things back out like because if there's a defensive reaction I mean, it could go full demonic on us right then. A defensive reaction could spin out of control just through silence and presence. Yeah, because we don't to complete demonic reaction right away. Yeah, because we don't know what our presence together is going to trigger with someone anyway, just from not reacting to right. that. So we, I mean, you could see all sorts of stuff that. I know we're fully prepared for, but the the full gamut will be opened as far as the the array of reactions that we, yeah, we and, may get over the and the the full def, demonic reaction from the standpoint of waking up. That's direction in the good. Yeah, that's a positive development. Yeah, so I'm saying everything's backwards. Like, but oh, yeah. we're yeah. For the one waking up, they're not going to know that. Oh, if I see a demon in a face, I mean, that's code green for me. We have it at the surface. Yeah, we have we right. have it at the surface. If it's at the surface, right. it's already like the ru- we already have the rug cinched up in my fists. <laughs> right, I already right. have it sitting there waiting. If I see the demon, I, yeah. I mean, I am. Yeah, I am there. That's one of the most fascinating things, because if that happens, man, well, me and you will go into this present state of awareness that would not be able to be reckoned with. Yeah, and I I already know what's going to happen. I'll just start feeling waves. I mean, I'll be in full wave mode. I love that when it happens. And so I'll just be in full wave mode. And now I'll know, like, I don't need any more provocation. You know, just go pure into the love mode. That's, um, but yeah, I, it will be hard to sit here and 
listen to somebody who I know is genuinely seeking or I know who's genuinely in pain, it will be hard not to point to that ego. And I mean, that the way we just la- laid it out, that's probably the best case scenario. Um, and then it could go the other way where I might have to point to it a couple of times. And maybe you can start to build a little bit of an agitation, um, certainly on each subject. But it's it's very just it's very difficult. I mean, I was t- talking even in like fatherhood and stuff. Now it's very very difficult to deal with ego sometimes for me because I can't. I can't. Um, like I was telling you earlier uh, about my son who was, you know, trying to say he's sorry. And yeah, he's 15 and didn't do anything wrong. There was nothing for him to, the story's not about that. The story was just, he was feeling sorry. And when he said that, I said, um, how does feeling sorry feel? And he says, I don't know. And, you know, I don't expect him to have necessarily an answer for that question. Well, I, all I said is, well, I bet feeling helpful feels better than feeling sorry. So I can't help but, like, see some of that ego construction and just smack that ego every once in a while. It's like, get that thing out of here. Like, that construct is not doing you any good. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely definitely something you're an expert on for sure. Um uh because there's things in my life that I was doing for 20 years that I was awake, but there was still some some ego things that I didn't fully understand. Um and it, they they were minuscule. I mean, it wasn't something that affected me where I was like angry all the time but i'm saying there was some trickery that i didn't fully understand after your awakening like like it happened i have way more understanding of of how far it goes and and what to do with it and it's just like you said earlier it's either going towards presence or away from presence and the way my second awakening the way it was i I now understand it's either consciousness or no consciousness and anything other yeah. than that it's just the thought in my head trying to play tricks on me and yeah. there are times where i struggled with rules of you know spirituality like not meditating enough i mean that's it couldn't be further from the truth and that doesn't come from a source of consciousness or uh, you know it's it's one or the other you're moving towards presence in presence or you're not and the games right. that are being played don't come from the same source that we're talking through. It doesn't come through that. There is no games right. played in presence. Right. So understanding that and coming to the point at where I'm at in my life and seeing you having this vast understanding of how the ego works it's helped me understand 
uh, as well, just to, you look at the ego sometimes, or I used to as what, what I thought it was. And I think I understood it like 95%. That makes sense. But there was still 5% that I was not sure about. And they were little minuscule, like trickery games. And I was unsure of what the source was. That's how the level of trickery we're talking about here. I mean, if you, you can not be a hundred percent there as far as understanding. Um, but I mean, seeds were planted and I'm grateful for where I'm at today, but to see your understanding of the ego as we go into, you know, having people on the show in the future, that's when I think the shows really get, um, cause when I'm yeah. talking to you, I come to a live to a certain degree, but when you have, I've seen shows where you have people, it makes the show. I mean, you, yeah. I see you come alive in ways. I see me come alive in ways. We see people being affected in ways. I mean, it's, it's the magic really starts to happen. Um, Especially yeah. for the listener as well. Because it's one thing to listen to me and you, and I've listened to our first three podcasts, and I feel like, you know, on substance-wise, there's nothing other than other spiritual teachers that I would listen to that I feel like has great substance. So, I mean, that's good. I could listen to it all the time. But when you add the people, it becomes so relatable to so many people because, you know, calling out an ego, for ex for example, and seeing the reactions and it becomes super relatable to the listener. Um, yeah. Something I look forward to for sure. Yeah, me too. It's definitely exciting. I definitely um Yeah, I definitely feel a huge drive in that direction. It's just um Yeah, there's definitely a point of I don't I don't even know how to describe it. I guess just responsibility or um I mean authority is probably in there but like you get to the other side of it and you just feel like you have a responsibility, like at least to the people who are seeking and engaged and moving in that direction to, you know, just add your voice to, you know, many of the other voices who are out there saying, you know, this is how it works. This is how it works when you dissolve the ego. This is what happens when that happens. And yeah, it's on the on the other side of the awakening. I, I I just feel like huge responsibility, just to be here and be open and be honest. And um, I mean, I've never spoken out to the world about anything, um, but now I definitely feel compelled to engage this space and just try to you know create these conversations where we can talk about how and why and explore it. I certainly don't feel like I have all the answers with, you know, how to help somebody dissolve their ego. But I know that there's a ton of people out there who 
are searching for ways to feel better, ways to, you know, deal with their own pain, ways to, um, who feel disrupted and understand that they're not quite living life the way that they know they can. I feel like there's just so much need out there for it. And most of the systems that are in place that kind of engage that space and try to lead people to the answers. I mean, those are the systems that ultimately, if they are effective, it's because they were rejected. So like the church would be a good example there. Or, I mean, there's, there's some... many programs where people go to for help, but most of those programs, their message is not dissolve the ego and connect to something bigger. And, but I think that's the only message. I think that's the only message for true help and true salvation. And it just seems that when you look out, there's just a world starred for that message. Yeah, I can relate to that. I mean, I started writing after, After that first one, first one years ago, it was, it was a good platform to me for me to just write. Um, but now, I mean, I felt like seeds were planted with the backwards effect and how I saw things backward and knew something was coming down the pipeline, but to see all of this come to fruition from, you know, seeds that were planted a long time ago is, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I didn't think that it would, I'd have a podcast and it's called the backwards infect and they were on our way. And I, it's, it's pretty cool. Agreed. We did two hours, 15 minutes. We did. 